Hey everyone, you're listening to an Acts Church Sermon. If you have not heard of us before, you can check us out at www.axcamus.org or come check us out on a Sunday. All right, here is the sermon. We hope God blesses you through it. Well, for those of you that don't know, my name is Glenn Cook. I'm one of the elders here, and I'm filling in or pitch hitting for Pastor David. And one of the things um, when I got the phone call that, um, and by the way, um, we've got a great pastor. Now, many of you know that he picks on me almost every sermon. And I know this will be on tape, and so I've uh, reserved a couple of comments directed at his way. Uh, I've waited and waited. And if you don't know, I'm the guy that's named Glenn that doesn't know where the New Testament is or, or anything like that. Um, no, I, 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 what I would like to do this morning is I would like to give a sermon that touches a little bit close to home. I have, and and those that know me well, know that I have come through a tough time in my life. And I would like to share with you what I believe is the lesson that the Lord taught me. Now that's a little bit making yourself vulnerable, but... So be it. Because in the end, I'm nothing more than a brother in the Lord walking through this life. And I do want to say this before I pray. And I mean this with with the all sincerity of my heart. Thank God for the church. I would not be a follower of Jesus if it wasn't for many of you in this room. And that's the truth. You encourage. We need each other. And, and how many of you know that the days are getting darker? How many of we know that? How many of you know that we live in a land of confusion? And as it gets darker, the light shines brighter. And the rock that we build our faith on. So let's pray and then, um, whoops, I'm going to trip over that. I'll blame it on David. Um, let's pray. Father, uh, please be with me in the next few minutes as I, as I teach from your word and share some things. And Lord, bless, bless these wonderful people. And Father, be glorified. And Jesus, in the end, when this is all said and done this morning, I just pray that you'll be pleased. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to talk to you about identity. And for those of you that... Um, you know, I, I heard me talk before. If some of the same stories are shared, I apologize for that. But, um, you know, one of the laws of teach, teaching is repetition. So, and that's what a teacher always says when they, because they forget what they say. I mean, I, I've got, you know, three classes of the same thing coming up. By third period, I don't know what I said the first or what I said the second or what I said the third. So I just say it all over again, and then they just roll their eyes at me and this and that. But I want to share with you a couple of very important things. So if we can go to the slide that's got Ephesians 1.5. And my girls know all about this. And what I want to talk to you today is about identity. 
In verse Ephesians 1.5, he predestined us to the adoption as sons through Jesus Christ himself according to the kind intention of his will. You know, there really is a fundamental question that we're all going to answer when we leave this earth, and we will leave this earth. Who is our daddy? I, I think that's the most important question. Anybody ever seen Remember the Titans? How many have seen that? Remember the scene where Denzel Washington, Denzel Washington, what an actor, comes out, who's your daddy, you know? And in the end, I, that's going to be the most important question. A few years ago, um, well, not a few, um, 11, Julie and I got married, and she had two beautiful girls, Paige and Emily. And I was their stepdad, and we were watching Despicable Me. I love that cartoon. Partly because, well, I'm trying to lose weight right now. And I'm down 16. <laughs> trying to lose some weight so that I don't look like Gru so much. But I will freeze you in the coffee line if you get ahead of me at Starbucks. <laughs> but we are watching this cartoon, and, and one of the characters goes... Um, we're never going to get adopted. And I had one twin here and one twin here, and I decided at that point I was going to adopt them. And we went through the process, and I want to tell you this, and I say this with all sincerity of heart, lawyers are expensive. <laughs> now, you may think that was aimed at David. It was. <laughs> but we went through the process, and... Uh, on the day that the judge, um, I'm going to start laughing. <laughs> it was the last case that this judge was going to do in his 30-year career. And he actually said, thank you. This is actually a nice case to go out on. And he looked at me, and he looked at me, and he says, you know, once you do this, you're on the hook. You get divorced, you got to pay child support. Well, I'm not going to, I'm not thinking about that. Then he quoted me the number of how much it costs to raise a child in these day and age. And he times it by two. And I looked at him and I said, I can't even fathom that. But I learned something in this process. I hold in my hands two birth certificates. And when the judge ordered the adoption and lowered the gavel and signed the paperwork, he did something. And I had no idea what this entailed. But he ordered that the original birth certificates of my girls be ripped up and new ones be issued retroactively as if they were never born with the other name, as if they were born Cook from the beginning. You see, legally, they were transferred from one jurisdiction to another. And I mentioned it was expensive. But you know, if we put our faith in Christ, we have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness from our father, formerly the devil, 
to God being our Father in the kingdom of light. And did I tell you that was expensive? It only cost the Son of God. But when I learned that lesson that my girls were trans, it just it hit me, and immediately I went to this passage of Scripture. You know, here's the thing. I have been moved from one kingdom to another. And in the end, my identity, and this is where it's going to get a little personal, my identity is I am a child of God. I, I used to, like a lot of men, I don't know if you're like me, but you like to think your identity is your vocation. And this year, I saw, and I'm a teacher by trade, that I reached a point in which I began to think I no longer could teach, and my vocation was being undermined in my inside. That's a painful place to be. I don't know, if, gentlemen, if you've ever gone through that. And I began to ask myself questions like, who am I? If I no longer was employed as a teacher, would I still be valuable? Now, the answer is yes, and we know it's obvious, but do you understand when you're going through that inside, there's a deep thing going on there? And I want to share with you, and leaving this scripture in mind, I want to share with you the next scripture is a passage that if you don't have it marked in your Bibles, I recommend that you do. And that's James chapter 1. You see, we are saved and justified and removed from one kingdom to another. Our sins are completely forgiven. And by the way, I'm still going to trip over that. I'm going to move this. By the way, I do want to say this. You live long enough, you understand that you screw things up. Thank God for forgiveness. Thank God for that. You know, I don't know how anyone gets through this life and gets to the end of the life and say, I need someone to justify and forgive me. And thank God that we have a God that moved heaven and earth and history to do so. Because in the end, we stand on one thing, and that is the grace of God. And I'm going to talk more about that. But James chapter 1 is a very important passage. It's one of those passages that give an understanding of what God does and why he does it. Do you understand that when we're saved, God, we're justified in this and that, but do you understand that God wants to work in us to make us whole? David's talked about shalom, so that we're whole. And we get banged up in this world, and we're born with deficiencies in the fall. We all understand that. And some of us don't start life, you know, I, I, you know don't start life with, you know, a, a perfect family or whatever. We start life, I mean, really kicking and screaming. Here's your hand you've been dealt. And God justifies us, but he wants to make us shalom, and he's never stopped working in us. In fact, in Ephesians 2.10, we're called God's masterpieces, work of art. And all of creation is waiting for the day for the art to be revealed for what it truly is. 
And the creator of the universe will say, see, I took something that was messed up by sin and I turned it into something beautiful by my love. And when that day happens, this is all going to make sense. In James chapter 1, it says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you are involved in various trials. I've always had a hard time with that. Why consider it pure joy when things aren't going well? But do you understand the Christian response to life is, is the opposite of the world's response? What does the world say? Try to stay young looking as long as you can. You're going to lose. Get as much stuff as you can. You can't take it with you. Avoid discomfort at all costs. When the word of God says, consider it pure joy, brothers, when you're involved in various trials. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Next slide. But you must let endurance have its full effect that you may be mature, lacking nothing. Now, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to everyone generously without a rebuke, and it will be given to him. It is a good thing when we go through trials in this life because the Lord's using that for redemption. There's always more than one lesson being taught in any given situation. And he wants to perfect our faith. He wants us to grow in the confidence in him. And I'm going to talk more about that. So James says when those things are going on, ask God for wisdom and he'll give it to you. Don't doubt, just ask him for wisdom and he'll do that. Now I would like to share with you passage of scripture and a couple of truths from it because it's very important that we understand this. God wants us to take him at his word. And the gospel, and I, I went to Bible college and I've, I've gone through the complexity. I took Greek class. I was lost on the first day. You know, I've, I, I, I did not do good in Greek class. Uh, my professor just looked at me and just, oh. anyway. But the gospel's really simple in a lot of respects. And God wants us to take him at his word. So if we take a look at Lamentations chapter 3, and I've shared this before, and this is one of my favorite passages of scripture, even though it's from a book that is called Lamenting. And in this, the prophet Jeremiah, known in scripture as the weeping prophet, who God chose before he was born to be a prophet to the kingdom of Judah in Judah's darkest days. He has just witnessed the destruction of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple. And to Jeremiah... The only way I could think of it, it would be like to an American seeing the destruction of every monument that we hold dear. It's all gone. Your identity, it's all gone. And Jeremiah writes honestly. And this is what he said. 
I have become a laughingstock to all my people, the object of their taunts throughout the day. He has filled me with bitterness, making me drink wormwood. I have no idea what that tastes like, but it's not good. He broke my teeth on gravel. Could you imagine yourself taking a handful of gravel and chewing it? Just savor that thought. See the imagery here? He's broken my teeth with gravel, covering me with dust. You removed peace from my life. I have forgotten what prosperity is, so I say my strength is gone, as is my hope in the Lord. Can we agree that he's having a rough time? He's having a bad day. Remember my affliction and homelessness, wormwood and gall. My mind keeps reflecting on it, and I become depressed. This is what comes to mind. Now watch what he does here. And I want to tell you something about Jeremiah the prophet. It's the same thing about David in the Psalms. It's the same thing about every saint that, that moves on to maturity. They learn something. And God will bring test and trial until we learn it. And I'll tell you this right now. We don't pass a certain test. He'll circle us around until we do get through it. Now, I get stuck on stupid. And there are things that I'm probably learning right now that the Lord would have loved nothing more than I learned 20 years ago. But thank God he is a God of first, second, third, fourth, fifth chances galore. And he knows us better than we know ourselves. And I'm thankful for that because here's the deal. God knows everything about me and loves me. And that's a, that, nothing to hide. But Jeremiah says this. This is what comes to mind. Therefore, I have hope. Because the Lord's gracious love, we are not consumed since his compassions never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And that's where we get the hymn. And then Jeremiah says this. The Lord is all I have, says my soul. Therefore, I will trust in him. There it is. I'm reminded of Job. Naked I came into this world. Naked I'll leave. I can bring nothing into this world. I can bring nothing out. But the most important thing is, who is my father? And I want to tell you this. If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you don't, and you honestly say, you know, I really don't know. In fact, I'm here. I'm listening to this guy, but I don't know him. He knows you. And he wants to give you salvation. He wants to take all of the things you've thought, said, and done and forgive them. And then he wants to change you into a person of love. If you do know him, thank God that he continues to work in us. So that in the end, when we say this and we leave this earth, we can say, the Lord is all I have. And by the way, the Lord doesn't want income inequality. 
That's a buzzword of today's world. But he offers the greatest treasure of all, himself. Himself. In the end, I am a child of God. It doesn't matter what vocation or my looks or my house or my cars or even my dog. (laughs) By the way, I'll tell you something about my dog. My dog, Curly, is one depressed puppy right now because the family's been gone all weekend and I've never seen a dog lay in the same place. He won't even eat. He misses his girls. And I know when we go home, I'm going to walk through the door and he's going to run right past me and run right to them. And he's going to be a different dog. Almost as if he's seen the light. Now, you need to understand something. When dogs don't eat, it's serious. And he hasn't eaten all weekend. Are you serious? Yes, sweetie, I'm serious. <laughs> you can tell how much she loves the dog. And I want to say this. If we go to Psalm 142, verse 5. I was reading through the Psalms earlier this summer. And I came across this psalm. So I cried to you, Lord, declaring, you are my refuge, my only possession while I'm on this earth. And there's the same thought. You're my only what? Possession while I'm on this earth. Lord, you are my treasure. And here is, when I said earlier, what is it that the Lord was teaching me? And here it is. And I don't do this because David does it all the time. Um, You might think that, but I'm going to put a C.S. Lewis quote, and I assure you that this quote came to me before I met David. Um... (laughs) 20 years ago, this quote came to me, and um, it resonated with me because it probably was the key lesson that I was going to be learning at that time. For some reason, I didn't quite get the message. Faith is the art of holding on to things in spite of your changing moods and circumstances. Do you want to know what God wants to do? He wants to produce in us a faith that despite our moods and circumstances, we still say Jesus is Lord. He wants to produce in us a kind of faith that can look at any situation and says, I'm not alone, I'm a child of God, and the creator of the universe is with me. He wants to produce in us a a childlike faith that just rests in the arms of our father like a child rests in the arms of a mother with no care in the world. Because if we trust in him, and that's where we put our trust. Let's think about that. 
He's eternal. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He does not change. And he is love. And if you put your hands, if you put yourself in that person's hands, no one has the power to take you out. He's not going to discover something that he didn't know about you. He's not going to wake up with a bad hair day and say, I changed my mind about you. And he will do sacrificially what is needed for you. That's the God of this universe. Now, if I had more time, I could sit there and show you in Scripture, historically and through the moment of time, the validity that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God and that prophecy in the Scriptures is quite clear that the Bible authenticates itself. But what I want to tell you this right now is that in the end, the most important question is who your father is. And I want to tell you this right now. You are made in the image and likeness of God. You are valuable because God said so. Your life has meaning. If you're in Christ, he is going to carry you through this world. He is going to do things inside of you and prepare you for a kingdom that will no longer be full of pain or trouble or any of this darkness that we experience now. That all of this means something. This is who God is. And I want to tell you this right now. The richest saint in the kingdom of God has faith like a little child. When it's all said and done, I'm in my father's hands. Two more things and then I will close. Like a loving father, will he sometimes discipline us? Will he? Folks, be thankful for the discipline of the Lord. Because that's a sign that the parent is taking an active look into your life. When he sends trials or, or things come in our lives, whether our own making or, or whatever, God wants to use that for redemptive purposes. If there is anything in your life right now, a hidden sin, a deep sin, or anything, lay it down and accept what God wants to do in your life. Man, isn't Jesus awesome? Isn't he awesome? Could you imagine what life would be like without him? I don't even want to think about it. My girls, 
are adopted and they are my girls and them their father, just as we are adopted by God. And it was expensive. I had to do one more. It was expensive, but God did so willingly. And in the end, when you're having a rotten day, or you're faced with something, or rejection, or doubt, or whatever, look that in the face and say, I don't care, I'm a child of God. And that is the truth that holds me and defines me. No, even if the entire world turns its back on me, I'm a child of God. By the way, somebody who has the presence of God is in the majority when it comes to this universe. You see, identity is a very important thing. It's in the end what we think about ourselves. Who am I? Well, I want to tell you that if you know Christ, you're a child of God. You are richly blessed. And if you don't know him, do you know you can? But I've done this, I've thought this, I did this. He'll take care of it. And this is my prayer for you all. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that God will strengthen your faith. That if you ever reach a point like Jeremiah where everything is dark and depressing, you will look up and say, therefore I have hope God's mercies are new every single morning and God is my God and I am his child. And in the end, no matter, and this is important, no matter what I think or feel or my circumstances cannot change the truth. You see, we live in a culture where it's moved by emotion and news cycle. We're manipulated by commercials. You guys do understand that. We're manipulated all the time, or at least try to be manipulated. Our society, our economy is based on it. But I want to tell you this right now. That the kind of faith that God wants to produce is in spite of all of that, you stand solidly on the rock. Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. Well, thanks for listening to that Axe Church sermon. We hope you got a lot out of it. If you did, we'd love it if you would comment or uh, give us a review or give the track a like. Uh, It really means a lot to us to hear back from people who have um, heard these sermons and have been impacted by it. So share your story with us. Share what is happening in your life um, that this is speaking into. And remember, you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast so that you can get all of our releases as soon as they come out. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back with more next week.